Welcome back to Underexposed Podcast. I am alive. I have been DJing like a madman, and that's like my alter ego, my sort of Clark Kent side. But I am back on the podcast, and today I'm here with Josh Tayus. Is that correct? Tayus, yeah. Common misconceptions. Spelled Completely like threw me off. Yeah. <laughs> Spelled like Telus, said like Tayus. Yeah, it's Spanish, so. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here, man. I really appreciate you being on the show. We're hitting it off already, so it's good to be back. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I, I know little to nothing about you other than you take mm. amazing pictures. You have heartfelt Instagram captions, which I love so much. And there's a couple themes that you bring up within those captions. But other than that, I'm blissfully naive to your world, except that I know you're an amazing photographer and share in our office with our tribe. So <laughs> fill in the blank spots. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> so I'll give you like the quick rundown. I was born and raised in Los Angeles. I... I've always been somewhat of a storyteller. I love music. I love writing. I love photography. And I decided to go to college for what I thought at the time was maybe the most, uh, I thought maybe I could find that, you know, at, at 18 years old, we're supposed to choose what we want to do and what's going to be the most successful and everything. And as we grow up, we realized that we were all full of shit and we knew nothing. Um, yeah. But so I chose journalism. I thought, oh, maybe I could get a job at a magazine. And I didn't realize like it was just going to be as freelance and as chaotic as anything else. And so when I got back, I interned with this photographer, um, Joseph Giannis, who was like this uh, rock and roll, Rolling Stone photographer, insanely talented, does things differently than most. And it shows in his portfolio. But he took me under his wing, taught me a lot of stuff. And then I moved to Boston and I kind of expanded my portfolio out there just shot all the time, met a bunch of people. And then I got hungry for like more and I came back and did the internship that so many in the industry have done with uh, Art Stryber. When I was with Joseph, I thought, this is what a photography career is. Like, and, and he was still growing at that time. And I'm sure he's there now, but now looking back on it, it was like, oh damn. So I made art and I'm on his sets and I, and I look at it now, I go, wow, this is what a photography <laughs> career could be. A huge sets. Big productions, lots of moving parts, lots of concepting and executing. It's very, you know, it, it opened up a lot of doors and a lot of possibilities in my mind. And then I finished that internship and I just bothered Art forever. Sent him too many emails to make text with questions. And I can relate. Got, I can definitely relate. Yeah. Got into that, that network of awesome artists and people and uh, just started to shoot. I assisted for a little bit, but uh, we started this, this food magazine back in like 2000 and let's say like 14 and it kind of took off. So I wasn't really able to assist because I was shooting all these things for this magazine. And then that spiraled into references to different publications or different companies. And yeah, just that's kind of where it's developed from. And then now we're here, now we're here like, was it like 10 years later? Yeah. <laughs> it's been encouraging and humbling in this journey to here 10 years, 20 years, 25 years. Can you tell me about those uncertain years? You know, like, am I bothering this person? Am I going to make it? You know, this is like the third month in a row I haven't made rent. Or tell me some of those stories. How did you overcome it and get to a place where it became this financially viable sharing an office with art sort of thing? <laughs> yeah. If you would have told me when I first started that it was going to be five years before I could even start to make progress, I think I would have been a little discouraged if you had said like, okay, you're going to start, but for five years, for six years, you're really not even going to have a voice. And every time you think that you're going to have a voice, you're still not going to have a voice. I don't know if I'll ever get there. I'm, I don't know if I'll ever feel insanely, completely confident in 
what I'm creating as a whole, as a portfolio, I think it's always going to be growing, but I'm 10 years in and I'm still having those moments of discovery and, and change. And I'm, I look at myself back at 20 and I thought then that I had some things figured out. And now I, I look at myself at 22 and I go, oh shit, that's when I realized that what I had at 20, like wasn't right. And then, you know, 25, I started getting some more clients and I was like, oh shit, this is what's going to be. And then the voice changes and, and your intention changes and your interest changes. Like when I was first starting to do entertainment photography, everything was so exciting and meeting all these people was so exciting. And though it's still exciting, it's exciting for different reasons now. It, I don't want to just photograph you because you are a big entertainer. I want to photograph you because you're an interesting person. It's interesting because there, there was a lot of time where it was few and far between. I felt like I, I really hit the jackpot in, in meeting some successful photographers really early on that were really generous with their time. And they were really generous with their information and their knowledge and their references. I don't know if I ever thought about it in the terms of like not being able to pay rent, but it was definitely like, okay, is this really what I'm going to be doing? Or, you know, self-doubt all the time where you look at these giant portfolios, you go on their websites or you see their books and it's just stacked full of stuff. But granted, you know, they have 20, 30 years on you, but you still look at it and you go, wow, like, right. Is the industry even going to look like that anymore? And that's a big question I was always asking myself. It's like, okay, in 10 years, 20 years, is the industry going to look anything like what I'm preparing myself for? If you are a go-getter, a hustler, if you are somebody who's going to put in the work and the time, I don't think like making the ends meet is ever going to be your biggest concern. I think it's obviously a concern, but you dial back and you reset expectations or I dial back and I reset expectations. Okay, maybe I'm not going to be able to go on this trip or pay for this thing or do this luxurious, whatever. It's just going to be reinvested into photo gear for now. I reprioritize what I was going to spend my money on and what I was going to invest in and, and do. So, but like the biggest struggle that came through in those like very, very formative discovery years was the doubt in, in, I felt really confident in like the imagery I was creating, but it felt like every time I got out, out of it, out of that shoot or, I moved on past it. I was like longing for something different, for more discovery, for like, okay, I would like refining it. And I think that there was a lot of times like that, especially in the beginning, especially, you know, I, I came into it right around, you know, I don't know what year it came out, but like, let's say like 2010, Instagram came out and I started my photo journey in like 2012, maybe 2013 with Instagram and this new image sharing social media platform was an interesting thing and in, to navigate as well. So I would say like more of the struggle came through discovery as an artist and discovery is trying not, trying to figure out how not to compete with other people, how to just support other people, how to make the community bigger rather than make it smaller. If this is what you want to do and you're committing to the process, it's not going to, especially for a while, it's probably not going to be glamorous. And some for some people, it's never glamorous. A lot of photographers die broke and right. or never retire. So if you're getting into it for that, you know, there's always a potential in anything that you do to make it big and and yeah. become successful, but you adapt, you change, your your maintenance levels shift. I mean, I was thankful that in 2020 when the pandemic hit, I didn't really start seeing like monetary financial success until maybe 2000 and 18 is when I felt like confident. I was like, oh, wow, I'm getting some ad jobs here and there. And mm -hmm. I'm not really stressing about the next job to come through because 
it's been set up nicely and I was getting the, this groove of things and then 2020 hit and everything <laughs> slows down. And I didn't pick up a camera at a point in that for like five months or wow. six months. And I was really fortunate that end of 2019 and beginning of 2020 were really successful. I had a lot of jobs that were like net 60, net 90 that were coming in. The payments were coming in in the middle of 2020 still. So that was a really fortunate happenstance for me. But I'm thankful that like I didn't hit that stride until 2018 because when 2020 hit, I just reverted back to the 2017 version of myself. I was like, oh shit, money might not come in for six months. I'm kind of used to this though. I I didn't forget <laughs> about it. Like yeah. I, it's, it's recent enough. I couldn't imagine being somebody that's been established for 30 years and making consistent money for 30 years and relying on that and building this huge business that relies on it and all these people that rely on it. And then all of a sudden having to revert back to who knows when 30 years ago, when you, right. when you were last not successful, <laughs> that was recent for me, you know? So, yeah, same. so, yeah. So I think we had this opportunity to kind of revert back to this like fighting version of ourselves. It's like, okay, we're in the weeds again. Let's get yeah, it. How do you kind of like scrap it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. exactly. I'm always cautious to like bring up my own stories because I'm interviewing you sort of thing, but Everything that you just said just reminded me of what happened today. So I definitely want to hear your story. Okay, cool. As I've gotten into photography, I have thought about, okay, how can I marry my passions together? So I love photography and I love doing portrait work. And it's like, what are the other big obsessions in my life? One thing that's always been a, th a through line though, and I haven't always brought to the forefront in this podcast, but I've always loved NASCAR. I'm obsessed with NASCAR. I was like the Jeff Gordon generation. Through my other podcasts, I got the chance to go on the infield and see all the behind the scenes of it and the garages and stand by the cars and everything. Recently, I've been really pursuing that dream. And it's interesting because I'm so close, I could like taste it. I'm in touch with all the people that work there. I had job interviews for it and they've gone really well. I've seen it in person. I talked to the guy who used to be the photographer for my favorite driver and everything like that. I'm at the place now where I could get jaded or, or I could like get impatient and just say, screw it. But I've learned over time. It's like the point just before. And it's like, do you have the humility to sort of like wait for the right moment and not self-destruct sort of thing? And I know for a fact that it in some capacity is going to work out, but it's just an interesting place to be. For the first time in my life, I am pursuing what to me is like my biggest dream. There's what you think people would think is cool. And now I'm in a place where it's like, no, this is some nerdy, weird shit that's going to be hard to explain to my friends, <laughs> but it will give me all the fulfillment in the world. And that's a, that's a new place for me. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a commitment. It's a lifestyle. It's not even like, I was talking to a friend the other day and we were talking about just how special it is to even pick up a camera and start composing things because you're now like changing the way you see the world. It's not even like, yes, there's a, there's a mixture between commercial photography and working in the industry and being a photographer. They intersect all the time, but they're not solely the same thing right i mean there's a there's a million things to appreciate about and I don't, i'm not familiar with nascar too much um and, but i don't hate it i think we'll it's, go together, I think it's we'll, fun we'll go to the yeah. experience. <laughs> um i but there's a million things to love about it i mean it's the the shape of the track versus like the angles that they take around the corner mm -hmm. i'm thinking like from a photographer's perspective like um the pit crews and 
and all of the commotion that happens there and the motion, the kind of dance that they're having to do and the crowd. And when they get excited and right. when, when the car goes by and like the, the clothes wrinkle right. in the wind. And that's what I'm saying, you know, bro. It's like the most visceral it's, thing. It's so cool. There's, there's so many things to capture and appreciate about really everything and anything. I mean, yeah. but it is a commitment. It really is. So the idea that like, I don't know if, if, that feeling of being on the cusp ever goes away because you're going to get a little taste of it. I I mean, maybe yeah. it does, but after 10 years, I've never had that renowned moment where I'm like, ah, I made it. Right. You know, it's, I still feel like I'm on the cusp. I still feel like I'm like, Oh, I'm just about there. But like, I'm starting to realize that that may never go away. That may never be a, but it's great because it keeps you, keeps me striving for it i'm like okay right. the it's like almost like you're chasing this carrot that is always within reach but never quite there so like it pushes the bar keeps moving and you keep running faster to to meet that bar and so i i think that you are on the cusp of, of something new and something exciting especially if the connections are starting to work their magic and you have this access but when you get there that bar is going to move you gotta want it so bad that they just have to give it to you. They, they will hire me. I'm telling you, I am gonna force their hand. I'm in touch with everyone. I will make <laughs> it happen. Like you gotta have that energy because if you don't, you're never gonna get it. You, do you have that experience? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I bothered people forever. <laughs> I mean, the reason why I started shooting celebrities for uh, editorial like covers was because I emailed the CEO of one of the conglomerates out there every week for like a year and he finally got back to me like he got back to me early on and he gave me this hope like oh cool and so it was just constant reminders and i wasn't i wasn't trying to be pushy and i was trying to be very gracious in it as you have to be and as you should be right because they don't owe you anything exactly. um but i was just being really gracious like hey like i'd love to i'm really excited we love <laughs> i'll mow your lawn bro I'll, I, and then, <laughs> walk your dog whatever you want. i i vividly remember leaving this shitty voicemail <laughs> I, I left this voicemail for him and i remember like just being so used to cell phones and being able to re-record until you really mess something up and leaving voicemails is my biggest weakness. And, um, <laughs> and I left it on his, I called his office. Like I called his office line. Oh my gosh. It's like almost embarrassing to think about because um, I would never do that now. But um, I called his office line and I left this voicemail because I was really hungry and really excited for this job and the job opportunity. And, and I left this voicemail and it wasn't exactly like what I wanted. And I ended it off in some dorky way and then realized like I couldn't re-record it. And so I, I remember just feeling like anxious, but like, it's that kind of stuff. And, and eventually like a year later, he said, Hey, like we can't, uh, that position has been feel, filled. Sorry for the lack of response. Um, but we do have this other sub magazine that would love to work with you. And he's really excited about your stuff. I've already sent it over to him. And I've been working with him now for like six years. Wow. So it, it, it does come with, with buying in, committing, making an ass of yourself sometimes. Like if you care about it, you're going to put in that effort. If you're getting into it and you're like, oh, photography would be cool. Right. That's what I'm saying. It, it's so passive. And, and everyone yeah. I talk to is like, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm like, no, you got to take that weird thing that you're hiding but a lot of times it's that thing you're most embarrassed about. I mean, I've had this podcast now for five years. It's only just now that I'm talking about this obsession with NASCAR. Find your NASCAR, like find your thing that you want to do. You know, my wife, my wife is in the other room right now. I'm probably like, what the fuck? 
fuck is he talking about? Why is he talking about NASCAR? <laughs> no, it, it's true. It's true. Like, find your, you find thing, your version of it, you know? Something that, like, it's all going to adapt. And if we realize that it's a lifelong commitment and we realize that our stories and the way we storytell and the way that we interact with everybody in the, you know, the world around us changes and our view on it changes and literally our, our, our um, perspective on it changes, our camera's going to change with it. You know, the story we tell with it's going to change. But as long as we commit to it, you know, listen to those things, find your NASCAR, find the thing that's going to, that you can't like not do it. You can't mm-hmm. not do it. You have to, if, if photography is the one thing that like you have to do, you're going to be successful. Right. If it's just another hobby or something that you, you want to do, there's a lot of competition. There's a lot of other people. There's a million eyeballs. There's not even a million. That's a terrible gross <laughs> under exaggeration. There's like 7 billion people in the world. Yeah. There's like 14 there's billion, billion eyeballs, eyeballs. Right? <laughs> yeah. There's like 14 yeah. billion eyeballs out there. Yeah. And they all see the world differently. So if you're not like committed and excited about something to show the world how you see it, it's not going to, that's who, that's who you're, I, I don't like to say com- competition because it's, it's not a competition. It's just two people, you know, doing the same thing, but that's, you know, in essence, kind of who you're competing against is the other person that is so excited to show you what they're, what they're passionate about. Yeah. It's so funny. Every time that I, I do these talks at the school or whatever, I know that when I go and talk in front of 50 kids, three of them are going to listen to what I say. And then like two of them are going to go and, and pursue. I almost want to say that at the outset of the talk and just be like, <laughs> what's that? Like that meme. It's like, some of you may die. <laughs> yeah. Man. I mean, that, that's exactly what happened with, with me and that, that first internship I had was I was in a class of like 50, it was like a lecture thing of like 15 or 50 people. And he just said, hey, does anybody, if anyone wants to intern or if anybody heard me today and wants to intern, send me an email. And I was the only one that sent them an email. So it, it's just, it's initiation on your part. It's seizing opportunity when it comes being open to it. Even if you have all these connections to it, maybe NASCAR isn't going to be the first in that you have into racing. Maybe it's like, right. a, I don't know anything about racing, but maybe it's a lower tier race or it's like a local track and you're yeah, getting these local stories kind of, right. of this guy that like, all of his savings into this shitty little car and now he dirt tracks it around and like his wife's there and like maybe they just had a baby and they're like you know you can tell these stories in different kind of ways drag the shutter speed and there's this like dirt flying around and yeah this, like, absolutely but who knows we, we could we we do get lucky at times or we do we do get the, the right opportunity at times where like maybe nascar is gonna be the first step but there's if we commit to the fact that like the story and the opportunity could come from different places and as long as we make it and we're trying for it, you're right. You are going to succeed in it if you can adapt to it. Yeah. Dude, this has been so awesome. I'm, I'm loving this. I, 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 we're, we're, getting, we're getting off the NASCAR thing now, but the point okay. of this all is find your NASCAR now. Before people get their pitchforks out and, and tell me to be like, stop talking about yourself. Uh, I want to put some <laughs> advice out there for people that are just starting out, some practical advice. If you're just setting out, like, you know, like, let's say you're like a nephew or something or, or a little brother wants to get into photography, they just graduated. What sort of things do you recommend for someone just starting out gear wise, shooting wise, shoot your friends? What do you tell people when people are like, my son wants to be a photographer, just like, can he come intern for you? And you're like, no, but here's what, here's the advice I would give. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, I think the most important thing, especially starting out, even for me now, is finding that they, it's such a cliche that people use, but really it's true. Um, finding that eye, mm-hmm. finding your perspective, 
find what you like to shoot, find what you want to shoot and shoot it relentlessly. Like always have a camera in your hand. And, you know, of course, if you're trying to do studio portraits and stuff like that, any, any type of photography is going to enhance your eye and how you see it, how you compose and get really familiar with your camera, whatever that camera may be. It can be anything. It can be a Pentax K1000. It can be a uh, Canon R5. It can be a Hasselblad, whatever. It can be whatever. Just learn it. Shoot it so that it's like just an extension of your body. If it's your phone, use your phone. Compose all the time. I don't particularly love to shoot on my phone, but I know people that have made a living out of it. Commit to the fact that like you're going to do it all the time. Gear-wise, I mean, I've always owned my own gear. You know, there was a point where I was like renting or borrowing from like the local community college. And um, I had a neighbor that had a camera and um, I probably dated a girl that had a camera or something like that. Like we kind of like pulled gear, but I've always found it. If, if I have to take a step before, and maybe it's my ADHD kind of mindset. If I have to, if there's a step in between me and shooting something, like if I have to go somewhere to pick up this camera, and then I get to shoot, I probably am less incentivized to just go shoot. If I own my own camera, I can pick it up. I can walk out the door the second inspiration hits. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always owned my own stuff. It's not necessary. It is very expensive, but just get something cheap and, and refine the eye. Um, then, I mean, if you want, if you don't know anything about who you are as an artist and you don't know anything about the industry and you don't know anything about even what you want to be as an artist, maybe go to school. I I wouldn't recommend it. I think that you can learn that otherwise, but there's some people that it really works out for. And then you also see all these other possibilities there. Maybe you're not going to be a shooter. Maybe you're not going to be a photographer, but you're going to learn the ins and outs of the industry. And maybe you're going to be a set designer, or maybe you're going to be a producer, or maybe there's, there's 1 million jobs within the industry that you could also be. And because being a photographer is more than a full-time job you're literally doing it always it's constant networking it's constant reevaluating it's constant client outreach there's there's, it's it's almost like you're just living your life in a way to do it your as your business as well and some people aren't into that some people like to have like separation between those things so whether you're an assistant and you kind of just show up for the day and you you do a really great job and you get paid a pretty good rate and then you get to go home. You get to just like wipe your hands. At the end of the day of photography, you have got to, you're there for the entire process. You're there for the post process. You're there for the delivery. You're there for the networking and the reach out for the next job and the pre-production on that job. So it's much more of an immersive thing. I would say if you really don't know anything about it and you, you're completely lost, um, find somebody to learn from. Um, whether you know, Shoot all the time, one. Pick up a camera, whatever it may be, and do, use it all the time. You don't want a connection between you and your subject if it's going to be a portrait to be stifled because you don't know how to change the exposure or the aperture on your camera. So get really familiar with it. And then, I don't know, maybe go to school, but like learn, definitely learn. I didn't go to school for photography. I learned on on sets practically. I I interned for a couple of photographers and they were generous, but not everybody's always generous. I found the most important thing is it's a people industry. Uh, people want to work with, you have to have a portfolio to back it up, but people want to work with people that they like to have, you know, conversations with and respect or value or value their opinion. We're storytellers. So they have to value what you have to say in some way. And it's not always just going to be through your photography. So 
get to know as many people as you can. I think that, I mean, you're not the beginner that I'm talking to, but for an example, and for an example for everybody else, what you're doing with this podcast is fantastic because you're getting to know so many people and you're talking, you're extending your community and your network in, in such a good, vast way that the only thing it's going to do, I mean, granted, you're going to help so many other people that are watching or listening to this, but even for your own journey, like it's, it's fantastic because you're extending your knowledge and your base on it. So it's almost like you're doing exactly what everybody else should be doing, you know, <laughs> Ex extend your community. Like I always, sure. I always say build your Trojan horse because this, this thing has just been a giant Trojan horse to get and meet everyone. And what's so great about it is, yeah, I'm providing value and everyone always asks like, well, you're getting paid for, you're getting paid for, you're getting paid for. It's like, no, it's not about the monetary value. It's like one of these days I'm going to like get to a place where, I am, you know, like a real practitioner of this thing. And mm -hmm. I'm just waiting for that moment. And it's not a transactional thing because it's like, I'm maintaining these relationships, keeping in touch. And then one day when I'm like ready to show you guys some dope stuff, I have you and Angie and all these different people to do. So I always tell people, it's like, that's a great, there's so, it's so easy to make a medium written or written series or a podcast. It's just so easy. It's so easy yeah. to get in touch with everyone. I, all I do, people are like, what do you, what do you say? I'm just like, Hey, your work is awesome. Let's talk on my podcast. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, it's funny. We're storytellers. We love to talk about stuff. I love to hear other people's stories. I think that, um, it's just, it's just fun. I, I talk about photography all day long. And so yeah, here's another conversation about it. You know, I love it. It's, <laughs> it's the best, yeah. you know, pr I, other than like the, the practical normal steps, like buy a camera, gear, education, things like that. Like, the i would say like more on like the intangible aspect is like master your craft my my first in, uh, the first internship that first photographer joseph he 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 looked at my website at the time I, he had me bring up my website and this was years ago and i brought up my website and he said who's your favorite photographer and i was like well at the time i think it was annie and elizabeth and he, he was like okay let's bring up her website and so i brought up her website and we had it right next to each other and, and granted like you shouldn't ever compare yourself but it's like he looks at me and says, does your stuff have the technical quality that Annie's does? And I was like, oh shit, I want to shoot the same stuff. And my stuff, the production, everything about it seems more student-y than her professionalism. Mm -hmm. And it's because she's took time to master her craft. Mm -hmm. So learn it, get insanely good at it, like obsess over it. If that's, you know, if you want to be that next tier. And then off of that, like, realize something that's all that I, you know, I just live by is is there's no sense in negativity in this we're gonna have down days we're gonna have things you know be support for your community be support for the other photographers it's not a competition even if i was going up against another person for the same exact job and they beat me out that's incredible for them we know firsthand how hard you work to network to build a portfolio to build a treatment to Get in that room. The fact that you're considered for it, that anybody would consider seeing how you see the world is an honor. And the fact that they chose somebody else didn't mean that they didn't want you. It just meant that this person succeeded. And that's amazing. So like, it's never a competition. You're not losing to other people. You're, you know, just being in this world with other people doesn't mean that it's, it, it's, it, it's a competition. I wouldn't see it as a competition. So Master your craft and don't compete with other people would be like on that list as well, but more of like the intangible rather than buy a camera, like master your craft and definitely don't compete with other people because it's not worth it.
you are constantly working with celebrities and for the most part, you're meeting these people for the first time. Do you have any advice in terms of how to make a, a meaningful connection in that short amount of time? And has there been someone who has really surprised you or, you know, who are some of your favorite people that you've worked with? I mean, I'm not friends with celebrities. I don't hang out with these people. And I think that's a common misconception where people are like, oh, you're friends with George Clooney. It's like, no, no, no. I photographed George Clooney for 35 minutes. Right. You know, granted, I'm excited that we got to have those 35 minutes. And I have this appreciation now to, um, you know, I, a lot of people ask me, who's the best person you photographed? Or my least favorite question is, who's the worst person you photographed? It's like, ah. I've you know, let's not be, to ask that. Yeah. <laughs> let's be positive here. It's like, Everybody has their days. Everybody has their stuff. And sometimes people are just like not wanting to have their portrait taken. Of course, it's yeah. a vulnerable experience. I hate um, what it. I've, I personally hate it. Yeah, it's oh, I hate it as well. And that's why I have like some understanding. I try to make it quick. Even if I have a lot of time, I try to, there's, there's a lot of downtime in between the photos that are being taken um, just because it feels, it can feel stale or vulnerable. And, uh, but all that to say, like, I have this new appreciation that like, it, it's kind of this thing where it's like, I don't really know who you are because I got such a small snippet of you. Sometimes I'm photographing somebody like in like Quentin Tarantino in a, the tiny kitchen at, at 30 rock for five minutes. How am I ever going to know what, who, like how he is as a human from five minutes in the kitchen. Um, but the reality is, is that we've looked into each other's eyes and we now know that each other exists. And there's like this, like, humanity that's created there rather than seeing Tarantino on a screen forever or like in BTS photos or things like that. Like, I don't know, like what his eyeballs look like. Like, and I'll, I won't mm -hmm. ever forget that. And I'm sure that then they work with so many people all the time, but right. um, that's the I thing that I've learned. To, yeah. It's like, it's just like putting Clooney is a movie star, right? He's, he's this, he's this thing. He's this character that, that before, you know, him or you before you've ever been in a room with him he's just he lives on a screen and so for him to walk in the door with coffees and be charismatic and all these things you're like oh shit like i get it right like i under i i i we i don't know who you are but now i know that you exist you've now been a part of my of my world my consciousness kind of um but yeah it's usually like 5 10 15 minutes um these people are very busy um i don't i don't hang out with hang out with celebrities i don't i don't have friends um in that kind of world if we're if we're in the same room as each other it's usually because we're creating something how am i trying to connect with them and, and have a, a singular voice sometimes it's more difficult than others but i think i think the biggest thing is to what i do is i look for the story i'm trying to tell um if it's for a movie um if it's for publicity for a specific project um i'm kind of I don't like to research the people as much anymore. I used to love to research the person and find some little Easter egg that can connect visually from like maybe their childhood, maybe their favorite game was Monopoly as a kid. And then now they're doing this, this show or this movie about real estate. And so it's like, you can kind of like maybe bring in the Monopoly board or have them like have like the monocle and the whatever on the right. side table. So like, it, it just really, I try to, figure out the story that I'm trying to tell. And if there is a story that I'm trying to tell, sometimes I don't connect to a project that they're doing. Um, I just did a, a, a shoot with the cast for this show that I don't know anything about. And I didn't have time to watch any of it. I didn't really have an interest in watching it, but I do care about these people. So at that point, it's not gonna really be a conceptual thing. I'm gonna get in the room with them and I'm gonna have a conversation with them. 
and really just check in and see how they're doing. Are you upset? Are you mad? Are you, you know, I'm not going to ask you those questions, but I'm going to kind of feel it out and, and I'll adapt to the situation at that point. We're going to try to make, I don't need to, I, I kind of use this phrase when I'm talking all the time. It's I'm not going to really ask you to do anything crazy or funny or put on some crazy performance or anything like that, unless it calls for it. But for the most part, I'm not going to have you put on this crazy performance or do anything nuts. I'm just, all I want to capture is you. I want to see your eyes and I want you to look at the camera just straight through the camera. Um, and we're going to capture that first. We're going to start and then I'll give you some directions. And if it's something that you normally wouldn't do, like if I say cross your arms and you don't usually cross your arms, then then we don't do it. But I'll, I'll give you some direction and you just, as natural as you can be with lights and strobes and the backdrop and everything, just be yourself within that direction. And giving the people the freedom um, to be themselves is, um, and but being confident enough to give direction when they really are stuck or they're stale or they don't really understand it. Or maybe it's about just taking a break and taking a breath and, hey, can we get some water or something like that? Right. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think it really starts with what is, what is the story you're trying to tell? Are you trying, you know, as an editorial portrait, are you trying to give them information about the show that they're doing is, is, does it relate to a past project? Is it something to do with their childhood? Is it something to do with your childhood that you're trying to project onto them or, or something, but, um, yeah, really figuring out that it's the only way in these tiny little snippets. Um, and it's always better. I, I find when there's a lot of pre-thought, yeah. you kind of. You kind of know where you're at, but who knows? Maybe sometimes we show up to the hotel and because a lot of these shoots happen in hotel rooms. Maybe we show up to the hotel and I'm in a terrible mood. Maybe I've just like been, you know, feeling low or depressed for the past like few days. I don't have inspiration and then they show up and maybe they're in the same boat or they're over the moon. And it's right. just like, it's kind of this dance to just accept where we're at. And, yeah. and but that can be mitigated with um, or by pre-production like knowing what you want to say first mm -hmm. can kind of compensate for not really <laughs> feeling inspired on the day of but yeah one of the most insightful pieces of information that I, I got was from chris buck and i'm paraphrasing it but this is the gist of it photography is a lie photography is a lie because you present something manipulated thought out pre-production post-production editing retouching dodging and burning all this different stuff so you're presenting something that is supposed to be a portrait of essence that's the word that he used to describe mm. it and then he said and that's just not true the reality is it's you and i just love the way he painted this picture he's like the reality is it's just you when you're in your basement office at like three o'clock in the morning just looking through like <laughs> thousands of pictures and going yes that works with the right amount of photoshop i can make that look really good mm. it was just so refreshing to hear somebody be like yeah we're just you know just you're just sitting there at three o'clock in the morning on a deadline just going yeah that'll work i could figure something out with that i think it's so cool yeah he, he inspired me to this whole idea and this whole not idea but this this reality of pre-production he actually inspired me on that a lot too um okay, he's huge with that yeah, he's huge. He he said this idea, or he said this thing that he like when he concepts, he he comes with like ten ideas. I don't know, maybe that's an exaggeration, but he comes with like ten ideas. Right. And if but he's happy with all ten ideas, and then when he gets there, depending on how he feels, he presents the one he wants to present, and the talent chooses. But maybe they only choose one out of the ten, but he's happy with that one because it was one of his ideas. So I was like, oh shit, that's like awesome. that would be. 
like rather than going in there with one idea and then like and re- or relying on how you feel in the morning or something like that and you get there and maybe the subject or the 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 person is like not feeling it like oh i don't want to i don't want to do that then now you're stuck and you're lost and you gotta adapt and you're like oh shit so right. his pre-production was an inspiration for sure to don't leave it up to chance i guess uh yeah. accept the chance when it comes you know if if a moment comes where um you got to just accept it then that's amazing but don't solely rely on it i guess yeah. um yeah he he's he's great there's so many phenomenal photographers <laughs> there's so many phenomenal eyes and everybody does it a little bit differently and a lot of people learn from the similar people and right. it's i i mean i'm a i'm a photo junkie man i i look at other people's work constantly it's like all i do i'm constantly sharing it and sending it to friends who are probably i have to send you my and, pinterest board my pinterest board please. it started it started on uh and, and it's not just from so i pinterest kind of is like this like revolving door sort of thing but there's an app where you can uh like pin from people's websites your all of your pictures are probably on there somewhere uh, <laughs> full if you're scrolling through and you're like what the fuck um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. that's good that's an honor dude thank you yeah yeah for sure uh but I, yeah, actually, uh, Art really was the one who got me onto that because he said, you know, take picture similar story that you said before, you know, put everyone that you want to be like on one wall and then put your work on another wall. And, and then he had like these, uh, um, they're probably like behind you somewhere, these binders uh, of all these different <laughs> motifs and things. And uh, I think there's close to like 4,000 pictures that I've now saved since that mm. conversation. Uh, and, and I, I love it because I, I want to have this sort of like visual Rolodex of, of things, you know, mm. like, and even like my dad's a pastor, like I mentioned before, and I always try and, uh, there are so many pictures like he did this presentation for this, uh, big church, like, um, conference thing. And there was so, he's like, oh, I love that picture. But what he doesn't know is that that's some, some like, uh, John F. Kennedy motif from, you know, mm. <laughs> like from here, that's like Cape Cod's and I just did it with my dad. So it was. Man, kind of cool. um, um, imagine here's the deal. This is this this is my struggle here. Is that I share an office with Art Striber, mm-hmm. um, and I have to go into the office and look at Art's photos on this exactly <laughs> what he's saying. It's honest. Like he's not blowing smoke on the wall in my office. There's this <laughs> magnetic board, like where my desk looks. There's this magnetic board, and Art's photos. So he said, right? Yeah. Put who who you want to be like. <laughs> on this side and where you're at on this side and so where he's at is right in front of me and i look at that and i go fuck like that's incredible <laughs> oh my gosh that's so good and then i have to look at who he wants to be like and i'm like wait a second this oh, is insane wow. like and then i look at then i have to look at my portfolio and then i who i want to be like and then the next step is art and then the yeah. next step is his next step and you're just like damn it i know oh so man crazy. but it made it's me so- feel it made me feel good though because i i became because I always kind of had this thing of like, am I wasting time gathering all this inspiration and art was an art <laughs> and not so many words. It was like, you need to know everybody. Like you need to know everybody. It's all been done before. And the people from the sixties were, were ripping from people in the fifties and the forties and all the way down to like, you know, so he's got, he's got a million photos in a million binders and it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. I, I don't know if he showed you them. But it, it really is that many. And it's yeah. it's important, man. I do the same thing. I have an inspiration folder. I just use my phone now. I'm going to use you as the liaison when next time I come out to the, the greater uh, California area. Um, Absolutely. I, and we're going to we're gonna go 
out for dinner somewhere and and then just the two of you are gonna go out and then i'm just gonna pull up a chair and be like hey what's up I'm hey. here. <laughs> we're just gonna sneak attack art. it's gonna be like wedding no. crashers but with, with with you guys so yeah, I need to get back out to California. I've made so where do you many live? friends. I'm, I'm in you Jersey. Live. Jersey. Oh, I'm just shit. outside the city. I'm about I'm about yeah, yeah. like an hour outside of the city. So yeah, the New York yeah. photographers are cool, but I I tend to gravitate towards the sort of celebrity portraiture type people. And mm -hmm. you know, and Angie was showing me. She's like, "This is this is like the street where I live. It's so beautiful." I'm like, "What? What am I doing?" Yeah. In, in and meanwhile, there's snow outside. So that's why you guys are always so tan and always in in such a good mood. Yeah, we're in a great mood, man. We get a lot of uh, a lot of uh, vitamin D, and yeah, we got trees and. My and friends are always like, "You don't have birds. to live like that, dude. Like, you don't have <laughs> you don't have to be out." So, anyway, dude, I will say though, it's like ninety five degrees outside today, and that's pretty. That's pretty yeah. hot. So there is downfalls, um, and it's expensive. Oh, yeah, Jersey's is kind of expensive though too. So yeah, yeah, you guys are like crazy expensive though. Um, yeah, we're dude, very expensive. This has been so much fun. Uh, I definitely want to uh, hang out with you again, either, you know, hopefully in person soon. But if not on Zoom, I feel like we became best friends today. I'm going out on a limb here and saying that. Thank you for all uh, putting up with my, my NASCAR banter. Where can people find you online? What's the best place to get in touch? Last words, closing remarks, shameless self-promotion. Well, one, I really appreciate you sharing the NASCAR stuff. I think it's, it, I mean, even hearing that and hearing your, your your excitement about that makes me reevaluate kind of what I'm excited about and oh shit like you know sometimes we do get jaded as it goes on and so just I appreciate you sharing it because it's something I'll be thinking about you know going forward and and you know Rob's so excited about this what am I excited about mm -hmm. and, and trying to find that so I appreciate you saying, uh, sharing that I don't think it was too much I think it was incredible um, thank you you can find you can find my work on instagram it's just my name josh tayas uh spelt josh t-e-l-l-e-s looks like tell us but it's tayas um or my website which is the same thing josh um there's probably the two only two places you can probably find me sitting in traffic somewhere somewhere um, on the 405 i, 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 I got it, I got it memorized mm -hmm. <laughs> Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. It was really good to meet you. I'm really excited to see where you go with it. If I can do anything for you when you come out here, if I can do anything for you, otherwise make a connection to other photographers, you do a shoot and you want to see like some critique, like just let me know, man, I'm here. You're going to regret saying that because I, uh, <laughs> like, like we said, I am the person who follows up. So. It's the only thing I like to do, man. So I'm, I'm happy <laughs> for it. All right, man. It's been really fun. I had a great time. It's on a yeah. perfect way to get back into it. So I really appreciate your yeah. time. Thanks, man. Absolutely, man. I'll talk to you. Peace. Right.